0: Hey everybody! This is Rob Liefeld, and we are continuing with our Rob observations, our Rob observational walk down uh, the making of Deadpool. As Deadpool is now uh, celebrating 30 years of existence um, in in publication, on the page, uh, on your toy shelf, uh, in your movie theater, on, at your video game console, uh, on on your pop shelf, right? I mean, that's kind of a toy too, but. Yeah, so Deadpool has turned thirty, and last time we really delved into the motivations, the inspirations, uh, what I was thinking when I created him, put him on the page, implemented him into the New Mutants, the yin and yang, the the entire of uh, the Hut a- a- as Tolliver, who's the Tolliver's the bad guy that puts out the contract on Cable, uh, which which uh, it informs that that Deadpool is kind of like a Boba Fett. Mercenary, bounty hunter, and Cable for all intents and purposes was our Han Solo. Nobody got frozen in carbonite. Didn't go that far, but they did defeat Deadpool and send him back in uh, to Tolliver with a note, which would begin this wonderful subplot that uh, that would unfold over the next year, which um, ultimately revealed in sharing with you guys the truth behind who Domino was and introduced Vanessa. And that was kind of the, the longest of the long games that I had played. As long as I had played Strife and Cable, I played Domino Vanessa. And again, from the word go, uh, Domino's entrance, if you go back and reread that, Do- Deadpool is basically clearing the way for Domino to enter, act as a hero, uh, you know, reintroduce herself after a long period of not seeing Cable because they had an established relationship, which, as you saw in our further flashback. Stories goes back to goes back to six pack, and uh, and and so 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 she reenters. She it looks like she's heroic. She saved the kids. She's assisted Cable. She took down Deadpool. She's warmly embraced, which then sets up the long game of revealing that that is not in fact Domino. That the real Domino is in a basement, uh, chained up in the catacombs of our head bad guy Tolliver, who continues to uh, seek vengeance and, and bring down cable. And so this was the, kind of the initial Deadpool saga as we, you know, as you guys, uh, you know, enjoyed it. And it was really, uh, a, a lot of fun as I sent in the reveal of Domino, uh, and Vanessa and, and the switcheroo and the kind of doppelganger element. Look, it was, uh, my, my, my editor, Bob Harris said, you, you got me. I, I, this is bigger than strife to me. I, I had, I didn't see this coming. I had no idea this was happening. And, uh, from the assistant editor, the scripter, everybody on down, they were like, wow, you got us. And, uh, again, I kept all this stuff really close to my best. It was very competitive time. You got to keep your secrets. It's like now when you, when you, you know, watch television and a big spoiler that doesn't leak, whether it's Mark Hamill portraying Luke Skywalker again on the Mandalorian or Patrick Dempsey coming back as McDreamy on, uh on Grey's Anatomy, my, my, my wife and my daughter watch Grey's Anatomy still after whatever the hundred years it's been on. And obviously it's doing very well. And the, and the Patrick Dempsey, uh, uh, you know, big, big reveal was a big drop both times when they took him off the show. Now, when he came back in this situation. And, and so again, you, you guard these spoilers as well, as well as you can, the more people who know are, uh, put the secret at risk. And back then I knew that part of what I was trying to, you know, uh, Get people to sign on with in regards to the New Mutants and the transition to X Force was the idea that you can't you know afford to miss this book. You can't uh, put this book down. There's something on every page and every interaction that matters. And so you know the soap opera element. Look, I I, I've covered this before. I always encourage you guys to go back and uh, and read or or listen. Sorry, listen to previous uh, podcasts where I cover uh, you know different pieces and they all kind of form together. Uh, The making of Deadpool was a uh, the Cable Guy, I, I'm, I'm sorry, The Cable Guy, the Making of Cable was a two-part podcast I did back in the fall. That is a lot of information that would probably be uh, important when you're listening to this. I've had people since episode one of The Making of Deadpool aired ask, did you do this on, on cable? They're new to the podcast. I was able to direct them to the two-part Cable Guy, which again, gives more background and rounds out this story really well. I had I had again pushed off telling anything about Deadpool until this 30th anniversary opportunity came up, which is where we are at at this moment right now. And again, my editor expressing kind of like, "Wow, you really you really threw one over on us with the whole uh, Vanessa Domino switcheroo." And he saw how seamlessly it fit and made sense that uh that was again part of the soap opera. Uh, training that I got as a kid with my mom and my sister watching General Hospital and Days of Our Lives. Those were mainstays. And during the summer months, when I'm home for three months from school, the 12 o'clock airing of Days of Our Lives, the 2 o'clock airing of General Hospital, the, I mean, that was appointment television. And, and, and I mean, the, 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 the soap operas, in, during that period, they had vampires. They had sci-fi ice guns. I mean, they literally froze over Port Charles for for like an entire summer as the bad guy who Was Baltar in uh in, in in Battlestar Galactica? Was this crazy, uh, I think his name was Cassadine, uh, well, part of the Cassadine family, and and he he brought Port Charles to their knees with his ice weapon, his weather weapon that caused uh uh winter storms in in the middle of summer, and and there was a whole uh, we introduced our James Bond characters with Scorpio and. They all had to go to the island where the weather weapon was at. This is a soap opera. This is the early 80s. This is exciting stuff, man. Two o'clock in the afternoon, Monday through Friday. Very exciting soap operas. Days of Our Lives, like I said, there's vampires. And, and what they both did, what both soap operas traded in so often, and it is a great, great, uh, you know, hollowed trope of the soap opera, uh, uh, you know, uh, design is the doppelganger, the evil twin. Um, and and, and even more than the soap opera, when I was growing up, uh, the bionic woman, which spun off of the $6 million man, which the $6 million man is very integral into the creation of cable. I mean, bionic eye, bionic arm. Come on guys. Um, I mean, I, I, again, I wear my stuff on my sleeve. That's why when people try and always gotcha me, I know what you're hiding. There's nothing, there's nothing being hid. Like I wear it all on my sleeve. I'm proud to, I want the people who I, uh, was influenced by to know I was influenced by you. You had an effect on me, and it's taken this turn with me and my work. That's exciting. I don't play with hiding things, so I I gen, I'm I'm always uh, very generous in giving you know the, the 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 credit where credit is due. And on the Six Million Dollar Man, they introduced Jamie Summer. She was super popular in a two-part episode. They originally killed her, <laughs> which was like the the love story, the the heartbreaker. When I say love story, like the the uh Robert Redford and uh and Barbara Streisand or the way we were whichever it was I think love stories with Allie McGraw sorry but 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 just those classic you know love stories where the other partner leaves or dies and Jamie Summers was not intended to come back but like Deadpool the male on the show was like what are you doing we loved her we want her back so they revived her and said we had to make you think she was dead that's the best best that's like soap opera 101 when root dr rudy told lee major slash steve austin we had to make you think she was dead steve we knew how much she meant to you and then they reawakened her for another outing and this time given the popularity surrounding her character and the huge ratings that lindsey wagner uh her 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 portrayal as uh as um uh uh as, as 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 jamie Summers. I mean, it was, it was a big deal. It was a really big deal. Bionic Woman was huge. And when Bionic Woman got spun off, she got her own show that got bigger ratings than $6 million man. Bionic Woman was more, um, popular than $6 million man. And, uh, you know, come on, you can't blame her. Every boy, my age, I'm nine, 10, 11, 12. During this time, we had a crush on Jamie Summers. She was like, like when you have a uh, crush on your pretty teacher, Jamie Summers was everybody's pretty teacher and she could knock down walls and jump over high fences. So come on. And she could have her earring eh, 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 with that super hearing, right? So in one of my favorite Bionic Woman episodes, she gets a doppelganger. There isn't, she plays both roles and she has had pla- the, the bad, gu- uh, the bad girl has been uh, given plastic surgery to look like Jamie Summers so that she can infiltrate the spy agency and get all the secrets and then the second time they brought her back they gave her this controversial protein that she was eating that would give her super strength and super speed and and allow her to match jamie summers and go toe-to-toe with her now given that they know that jamie has these bionic enhancements um the protein compound that they were giving her is ultimately poisoning her and driving her crazy so these this is must-see tv when i was a kid bionic woman man awesome the art of the doppelganger so again domino vanessa So then we got to get into this love story with Vanessa and Deadpool and that they had been, the the reason Vanessa is doing really the bidding of Deadpool is because Deadpool needs this done on behalf of Tolliver, So he's leaning on his girlfriend, acting like the heavy, uh, leaning on a past love to do, you know, to do cable dirty. So again, there's this triangle that continues and and X-Force is very, um, doing very well, extending its reach, um, reach, uh, selling a, a crap load of copies and Again, we are bringing Deadpool back again and again and again because you demanded it. The same way they woke up Jamie Summers from that coma, because Steve, you know, we couldn't tell you she was alive. Uh read Steve the Mail on Jamie was so big. We had to revive her. Um, Deadpool, same path. So I I covered so much in the first episode about uh not only the inspirations and the the uh the the motivations, but also the visuals. And I went leaned in really hard on the red and the black and And how it was intentionally uh, meant to invoke Spider-Man. And again, when you've got Todd McFarlane going, Bud! Bud! I'm I'm doing the big eyes! And I'm doing the big oval! Well, well, you're doing the hair and the stubble and and, and the chest hair and the coils and the arms. I'm doing the big oval. He would call me up once. I just did a splash page. It took me one hour. I'm done for the day. Big splash page. Spider-Man's face. Whole face. Two big eyes, some webs, but, but I'm done. I'm clocked out for the day. I'm going out with my wife. The taunting, I loved it. I love the taunting. Um, We are going to visit with Marat Michaels, who is going to give us some insight. He shared the studio with me at Extreme. Uh, my, 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 my first kind of assistant. He saw everything, knows where all the bodies are buried. Marat is a funny guy, love him. He's like a brother to me. He's been with uh, me uh, professionally, in and out, on and off. Over 30 years, he has his own crazy successful business that he runs, doing his own line of comic books now. Um, th- there was nothing that was ever going to hold Marat back. His ambition is is amazing. His talent is extreme. And uh, he was there. He was part of this. And I, I would get taunted. And and so again, Deadpool was my answer to, uh, you know, again, I, I had the name on the list, uh, along with, you know, like I told you, I got my names from cars and buildings and streets and Deadpool saw Dirty Harry in the Deadpool. Two words. Decided I could mash that up, and make a great bad guy. Kept it in the ba- kept it in the notebook for a time, at which it would be activated. Got my motivation for the character uh, that 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 would you know drive uh, Deadpool from the movie Twins, being that he is the Danny DeVito to 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 Wol- Schwarzenegger's kind of Wolverine, the, the more perfected version, to the messed up screwed up. They hadn't perfected it yet. So, so that, that is, that speaks to the motivation and, and, and the, uh, inspiration and, and again, the visual and how powerful a visual is. And again, and again, and again, people talk to me how much they love the visual. And again, I, 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 on my shelf right here from Sideshow, uh, from, I mean, I, I, I've lost track of all of these statue companies, but whether it's Hot Toys, Sideshow, Hasbro, Mezco, um, a lot of co's in there. That the, these guys do these amazing sculpts, and and Deadpool is always with a sword and a gun, and he's got the extra katana on his shoulder, and he's got pouches and and gears and weapons, and sometimes he has a. They, they give him a knife stashed in his you know in his uh, ankle strap, and I mean the, the, all of these statues are menacing. They're badass. They're looking at me. They're 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 in action poses, like they're gonna cut your head off or deflect a bullet, or um he is a Fantastic visual. I'm very happy that he is a fantastic visual. And, and you know what? If Deadpool was the only thing I ever did, I would be extremely, supremely proud. To do one thing to punch through on this level, uh, to have the popularity that Deadpool has maintained over 30 years is fantastic. I would I, I would gladly be the one trick pony if the one trick was only Deadpool in a, in a heartbeat. Um, to, to look at almost every day there is a new Deadpool thing coming out. A new, I saw last night a, a new Deadpool pop. I've seen a new Deadpool statue in the last week. It's the first week of 2021. Now I'm gonna tell you something. And and, and, and we're gonna to talk today more about the humor and 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 what I think makes Deadpool tick the most, the best. It it speaks to his, you know, very first uh introduction. There was a, a Marvel spotlight that came out in 2010 celebrating Deadpool. And I am. I give a big interview with them, and, and they pulled one of the quotes. And it, and and again, Marvel knows this to be true because this is how it all went down. When I marched in with Deadpool, I said, "Look, he's Spider-Man with, with guns and swords." So we've got that Spider-Man visual, but also, and here's the big deal: I missed the Spider-Man of my youth. It Spider the Spider-Man of my youth was really not as present in 1990. What had happened, and I've covered this, and it will always cover this. This is exactly what was going on in the in the in the community. Was Frank Miller's much darker rendition of Batman, now hence the Dark Knight, had really impacted creators. Um, everyone wanted to go grimmer and grittier. Dark Knight and Watchmen are, are seen as the, the the closing curtains of the bronze era of comics, which ironically many believe started with Gwen Stacy dying, Green, Green Goblin, unceremoniously, viciously killing uh, Gwen Stacy. Spider-Man couldn't save her. And they believe that that kind of more dramatic edgy tone kicked open the doors for everything that we got in the bronze era. And we got some heavy stuff, some heavy cosmic stuff with warlock, some heavy cosmic stuff with korvac, with Thanos, Dark Phoenix, uh, Deaths, Terra, Electra, uh, Phoenix Jean Grey. Um it, it was a, it was a really the, the stuff seemed to get real R the, the material went R rated more in the bronze age and it ended with these two very R rated versions of you know, first and foremost, Batman, and then what was intended to be the Charlton characters, which Alan changed. I did an entire podcast on this. You guys, absolutely, I recommend you listen to the Dark Knight Watchmen podcast. It's one of my favorites. We deep, deep, deep dive that thing and uh, talk about the inspiration behind Watchmen, what was behind it, why it changed from the Charlton heroes, but how it was a very adult take on superheroes. And, And so those kicked open the door. And so they both come to their conclusion in 1987 and by 89 you're seeing it i mean you're seeing the more uh gritty dark even even the way the the stuff is illustrated i mean batman was uh, was presented as almost a complete silhouette overly several times on two covers two on cover 1 and cover 4 of dark knight and and so so putting the characters more in silhouette and shadow and darkness was suddenly the rage Todd had had successfully taken the reins of Spider-Man and presented with you, especially in his first story arc in Spider-Man, which was coming out as this was happening. He is um, prior to Deadpool. I think Spider-Man is on issue six. Todd's adjective list. No, amazing. Just Spider-Man uh, was was out on probably at six issue. And Spider-Man had become as grim and gritty and dark and was no longer light and airy and fluffy and funny. And the the quips weren't there. Todd isn't really funny, so he wasn't writing, like, jokes. And the Spider-Man that I grew up with was the Gil Kane, Ross Andrew uh, Spider-Man. And, and Len Wein and Jerry Conway were the authors that were giving me my childhood Spider-Man. And sometimes Roy Thomas. And uh, and we'll cover this earlier. Like like Stan Lee created Spider-Man, but my favorite stories aren't written by Stan Lee. And your favorite Deadpool stories may not be written by me. Okay, and and that's perfectly fine. That's how it happens. My favorite story of Spider-Man is when he battles is when Morbius the vampire is introduced, and is has uh, got the, uh, the 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 six arms. Spider-Man takes the serum, gets the six arms. That is either written by Jerry Conway, Roy Thomas, or Len Wein. I'll have to source it and look it up, but it is not written by Stan Lee. But the other Spider-Mans that were coming out during the time, illustrated by Gil Kane, illustrated by uh, Ross Andrew, um, he was a very snappy patter guy. He would hunt down the criminal, the bad guy, the villain, and Spider-Man would always make cracks, put you down, make funny, of you, have, have his smart-ass quips while he battled you. That set him apart distinctly by design, by stand, from Superman, from Spider-Man, from Iron Man. I mean, guys, look, Iron Man was never funny. This is a kind of a little detour. Iron Man was never a guy to drop funny quips, ever, ever in the, in, in the existence of his comic book. He is maudlin, serious, at one point a dark and, and very dangerous drunk in the, the award-winning Demon in a Bottle um, saga that David Michelinie, uh, Bob Layton, and John Romita Jr. illustrated in the 80s when Iron Man was up there with like Thor, uh, Simonson's Thor. Uh, burns x-men perez's titans iron man was must re- read miller's daredevil it gets overlooked by like the three very best but it was as good as any of those the illustrations were fantastic the storytelling was amazing the characterization was extreme uh in in that i mean tony was always tony stark was always embattled the women in his life the corporation the villains The the, the, the fact that he had to wear the armor in order to stay alive, that his heart was always ready to give out. The guy was never, ever funny, never made a funny quip. He had these really tense stand-downs with Captain America regularly in the pages of The Avengers, some of my favorite Avengers, written again by Jerry Conway, by David Michelinie, by Jim Shooter. But in the movies, they cast Downey Jr., and suddenly Iron Man's funny. He's got smart quips all the time for Pepper Potts for, you know, for, 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 for everybody. He's, he's Mr. Smart Quip Funny Guy because they tailored it to fit Downey Jr. He literally became this funny character, but in comics, he was not. The funny guy was Spider-Man and Spider-Man was no longer funny anymore. He was not funny by a long shot. He was grim. He was fighting for his life. Craven's about to, you know, sacrifice him. There's voodoo. Um, then later, like Spider-Man is out in the woods with Wolverine hunting Wendigo, who's like ripping people to shreds. But is it Wendigo, a doppelganger, you know? But the, the book was very dark. It was not the light, um, you know, alleyway. Hey, I've got you cornered and I'm going to, you know, spider web your mouth and jump over you and knock you into the in, into the parked car or the trash can and put you upside down and make some snappy quips. That just didn't exist to the, to the extent that it did when I was growing up. When it was spectacular Spider-Man, amazing Spider-Man, and Marvel team-up. And and and, and Spider Man was and Spidey Super Stories. Spider Man had four books a month. He was I mean that's like one a week when I was growing up. And always funny Spider Man was what defined him. So so now that we we were we were missing Spider Man. Funny Spider Man was largely missing. That kind of spirited, youthful, smartass banter was gone. So when I talked to Marvel about Deadpool, I said he's Spider Man with guns and swords. He's a smartass. See I didn't I didn't need another grim you know, kind of downer guy with cable, I had that. I needed somebody to offset that. So even when he shows up being a, being a complete, um, menace, you know, what's coming out of his mouth is funny. He is a funny asshole. And the whole idea, when I originally told him to Bob Harris is he's so, he has so no moral, no moral fiber in that if he shows up to kill you, but you offer him more money, not to kill you, but kill the guy that hired, he'll do that deal. He shows up to take your life and you're like, no, no, no. Can I pay you? You know, $1,000 more to turn around and go to, he's like, done. He'll take both your money and then probably come and finish you off at the end. So there's no, you know, there's no, there's no rough edges. There's no, you know, um, nothing to, 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 to to take him down. He would seal all the deal. And, and, and so that, that was the, uh, that was always the pitch. Spider Man with guns and swords. Personality wise, obviously a very tortured guy, but a very smart ass guy. And growing up, in order to survive, I was. The original smartass. I myself love to make jokes. Um, you know, especially comedy of the '80s. Uh, there's there's a fantastic uh, Showtime uh, documentary on the Comedy Store, and uh, man, I, I just I I recommend it so much. Just because you're gonna get comedy you've never seen before. You're gonna you're you're gonna get comedy that isn't allowed to exist anymore. The 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 Richard Pryor and the Eddie Murphy, um, the Andy Kaufman. Uh, the Andrew Dice Clay of of, of that era of, of the late '70s, early '80s is that 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 stuff is off limits now. It's, it's it's very different. Comedy is very different. Um, and 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 so so again, uh, you know, Deadpool being a, a smartass uh, was kind of where I lived. And and w- w- the goal was every time he showed up, he also moved differently. Deadpool moved more leath, uh, more agile, more more like a like a gymnast. He jumped, he leapt, he kicked. Um, not in a way that I had portrayed anybody else in the book. Cable wasn't gonna, you know, you know, do a leapfrog over you and, and and give you a kick. He he he. Cable was not teaching courses, you know, at at Cobra Kai, but Deadpool could sweep the leg with the best of them. And and the agility and the way that I drew the character in in terms of his gestures um, signaled again more of a agile character a la Spider Man. So so but but here's the deal that The humor of Deadpool is so important, and again, uh, badass, smartass, wiseass, or parody, and he's been all these things. And and that's kind of one of the things that's interesting in, in regards to what we're going to talk about today is the humor and the evolution of the humor over time. In his first two spinoffs, the Circle Chase and then the Mark Wade um, sp- story, Deadpool is as he was introduced, extremely in the in the most popular way that he's ever been framed. In that he looks menacing, he's a badass, and that he can completely dismantle you with guns, sword, decapitate you if necessary. He can regrow his limbs. There's he, he's just a, a living action action kind of vehicle in the amount of of uh, fighting action uh, violence that he can engage in. Uh, but he's funny, so you've got the sinister element that's also wickedly funny, and, and and that's the back and forth that works. By 1996, 1997, they gave him his own dedicated series. It launched and did middling numbers. When people talk to me about that, you, you have to understand I was there. I was under, I, I look, I got paid on all those issues. I know exactly what they sold. They were middling sellers. Deadpool was never a top. Um, he, he never lived at the top of the charts. And uh, and 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 yet, you know, middle selling books is where I lived as a kid. I loved all the middle stuff. I loved I loved it more than the popular stuff because the popular stuff would sometimes. Be more reined in, more heavily managed, but we go to Joe Kelly and to uh, uh, Ed McGinnis and their and their Deadpool series, of which I think D- Ed did about three issues. And ironically, I'm the one who hired Ed away to come do Fighting American for me at um, at Awesome Comics, which is interesting. But it, I, I really was super impressed with what he was doing on Deadpool, and that was kind of that kind of factored into it. But I didn't I didn't feel like I was stealing from Deadpool. And then they went through a litany of a, a lot of different in artists from there on in. Uh, again, and, and Joe Kelly's kind of a new writer, but, um, in 1993, I did a book called Blood Wolf and Blood Wolf broke the fourth wall in 1993. In fact, my first character to break the fourth wall written by myself, predating Deadpool, breaking the fourth wall by four, four years. That is a fact that is cemented. Blood Wolf is a smart ass, uh, intergalactic bounty hunter. Um, uh, again, takes contracts in his first, you know, adventure, blows up an entire world. And, Turns to the camera, makes quips several times, turns to you, you the reader. Um, you know, it, it, it's more. It, it's very much uh, inspired by what Keith Giffen was doing with both Ambush Bug and with Lobo. And so, again, hanging my uh, inspiration on my sleeve, not scared to show it, enjoyed it, created something new, carved out something new. We gave Blood Wolf his own miniseries thereafter. Again, more of the fourth wall breakage addressing you, the consumer, the characters uh, directly. So the fourth wall, She Hulk had done it. Uh, uh, D- Keith Giffen had really done it first in my mind. Then John Byrne really perfected it with his handling of She Hulk. She would routinely make gags. Even Grant Morrison in an, an Animal Man uh, ended one of his most important arcs with Animal Man turning and talking to Grant Morrison himself. So a lot of fourth wall breaks in in very famous comics. It's not a. It's just like the doppelganger trope of soap operas. The fourth wall break is a popular trope uh, in comic books. And so I had deployed the fourth wall breaking in Blood Wolf, which had sold one million copies. We had gotten that book out there big time. It was part of a book called Darker Image. Jim Lee was in it. Sam Keith was in it. It was a huge, huge success. We are stupid that we did not follow that book up. We all got too busy and never did more Darker Images. But the one that we did do... It it, it it even went back to press. It was so popular. It sold out. And it honestly represents some really great work. It, again, addressing everything sold out. No, everything did not sell out. You got to realize, you got Rob Liefeld giving you his best. Jim Lee giving you his best. Sam Keith giving you his best. That book was eaten up by people. It also had cards. It had a polybag. It fit all of the 90s kind of tropes. But that thing was gobbled up to this day. People continue to tell me how much they love Blood Wolf. They think it's some of the best work I'd ever done. Well, so here comes Deadpool it's his turn. Joe Kelly's going to have him break the fourth wall. I have always been as, I mean, it would be ridiculous to say anything other than Joe Kelly had Deadpool break the fourth wall, engage in that very popular trope. So if the reason that you like that Deadpool turns and talks to you, that belongs with Joe Kelly. If you like that he cuts off your arms and legs and leaves you for dead and makes a smart crack um, while he's walking away from you, or always has something wise asked to say that falls in my domain but definitely if he turns but break, breaks the fourth wall let's put that where it belongs with Joe Kelly it's a great trope i did it myself i did it 4 years earlier with my own characters it's 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 it's, it's fun to engage in this is where deadpool started dancing with in my mind uh, parody and 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 i didn't i I've, I've never truly been sold on it i i understand that there's tons of inter interpretations of this character when i was growing up I already said there's four Spider-Man books. All, it, it came down almost one a week. You had, there's actually five because Marvel was reprinting the original Ditko and Ramita stuff in Marvel Tales. So you had Marvel Tales monthly reprints. They want to indoctrinate you to the stuff that made Spider-Man so popular. And it was in in some cases 10 years in the past. So it was new to you. It was new to me. They put new covers on it. And, and so I'm buying the past Spider-Man stories that, that really give me what shaped Spider-Man. The Stanley, Steve Ditko, John Romita Sr. stuff in, in 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 a monthly installment. These reprints that were very popular. I, I can only imagine because Spider-Man was so popular. You had Amazing Spider-Man, the flagship book; Spectacular Spider-Man, the spin-off book; Marvel Team-Up, and then you had Spidey Super Stories, which was written for kids at a kid level to enjoy. Marvel Team-Up was, I think, a more serious take because he interacted more seriously with the other characters in the Marvel universe. The, st- the stories seemed to have a little more consequence and he always kind of had to uh, kind of, you know, raise his game next to the other Marvel, either opponents or, or, or allies that he'd face in, 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 in the stories. Chris Claremont uh, was responsible for so many of my favorite Marvel team up stories with Spider-Man. And they always had, like I said, big world beating consequences, evil wizards, uh, giant Egyptian gods, um swamp creatures uh special uh, you know uh, rogue samurais spy organizations great stuff but each one kind of gave you a different flavor peter parker comma the spectacular spider-man because that's the full title was supposed to be more a little more peter parker and a little less spider-man i don't i don't believe it ever was i think that was the intention of why you know justify a second book but spider mans super popular so you got all these different iterations of him with deadpool we were now starting to move towards what I felt was parody because anytime you have to, you turn and you start doing the fourth wall and you do it a lot is you're then creating almost a a very, very clear bridge into parody. And in fact, I think we'd all be, we'd all agree that Deadpool has in some instances uh, danced heavily with what I would call parody. Um, At one point, so Howard the Duck came out when I was a kid. Howard the Duck, if you're not familiar with it, was a really groundbreaking comic at the time, given that it was a kind of a funny animal. Looks like a funny animal. Looks, I mean, looks like a kissing cousin of Donald Duck, right? But he's um, kind of a foul-mouthed, grumpy guy walking around the Marvel Universe in in a world he never made, you know? Uh, Kind of of, uh, fish out of water, uh, having girlfriends, sleeping with girls. It was such a bizarre book. It was drawn straight. Um, I mean, it was not drawn comedically. It was drawn like straightforwardly, like it was a drama um, by, by some excellent, excellent artists like Frank Brunner and Gene Colin, who are known for very straightforward kind of action adventure comic books. It was not drawn goofy with all these people. That, that's what I mean in, in terms to drawn straight or drawn comedically. Those were terms that would separate something that was more serious as to something that is more whimsical and comical. And of course, you've got Mad Magazine and you've got Cracked, which was a Marvel spinoff of Mad Magazine at the time, which was capitalizing on doing spoofs. But at one point, Howard the Duck would come and go and he would do spoofs. He did a two-issue Star Wars spoof in 1977-78 that I thought was great. It was some of my favorite stuff because I, I understood exactly what they were sending up given that I was a huge Star Wars fan and had just recently encountered Star Wars. But Howard the Duck was some really a very popular book too. Uh, very, Val Semeckis also drew it. I mean, again, you had your sci-fi superhero artist set drawing this um, whacked-out story of this disgruntled duck who uh, knew he didn't belong but is trying to make his way. And, of course, they made the movie with Leah Thompson and stuff, and they, I barely remember it. Saw it in 87, very wacky, goofy uh, goofy film. But, again, in that film also, you got a duck sleeping with Leah Thompson. I mean, crazy stuff, right? Um, but in that book... He, Howard the Duck had goofy villains. He had a guy with a giant bell. Uh, a giant bell was his head, and he was named Dr. Pong. Sorry. And, then, and his hand was a giant gold circle, a big giant gold, you know, oval. And he would, you know, hit his head out of frustration or to make a giant bell noise. Okay. So so he is a giant, his face is on a bell his head is a bell, he wears a cape, he has a purple costume, his name is Dr. Bong. In the early 2000s, Dr. Bong is now a nemesis of Deadpool. And, and, and this, so, so you're given Deadpool, how are the duck villains? What you're basically saying is we are doing a, 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 co- a comedic book, a parody book. And, and, and so I know this to be true because of an encounter that I had in, in 2009. Well, first I had, uh, not worked with Marvel for a small window. And I had done uh, Onslaught Reborn, which was a 10-year celebration of all the work that we had done with Heroes Reborn. We brought all those characters back and we took Ricky Barnes, who was the female Bucky in the original Heroes Reborn, and the at the end of Onslaught Reborn, we had transported her into the Marvel universe. That was kind of the purpose, to get Ricky into the Marvel universe because Marvel was welcoming and 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 encouraging that she would now roam the Marvel Universe proper and get her out of the bubble universe that was the Heroes Reborn universe. That wrapped in 2007. I went off and did a few other gigs. Uh, A new editor-in-chief took over at Marvel Comics named Axel Alonzo. Could there be a cooler name than Axel Alonzo? I mean, it's almost like a stage name, but I really enjoyed Axel. really enjoyed my interactions with him. He calls me out of the blue as my family. I know exactly where I was at. They were all sleeping. It was early in the morning. We were coming home from a weekend of uh, basketball tournaments in las vegas with my family so my daughter my two sons who were playing on had different basketball travel teams and my wife we had gotten out of there as early as possible on a monday so that we could get back and you know enjoy the week we didn't want to come back on a sunday because the traffic back from vegas to southern california can usually be crushing so we got everybody up got 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 you know checked out of the hotel got in the car and we're, we're driving home and we're about 90 minutes out and we're in the middle of the desert and, uh, I get a call and I'm like, huh, who's calling me? And I pick up and it is none other than Axel Alonso. He introduces himself to me, he says, Hey, we haven't talked before. I'm the editor in chief of Marvel comics. I said, Axel, I'm aware of you, who you are. That, that's great. He goes, Hey dude, I want to do a female spinoff of Deadpool. And he's like a, a sheep pool. And I said, you mean like a, a lady Deadpool? And he's like, is that what you want to call her? I said, I mean, this is how fast this conversation goes. I go, yeah, lady Deadpool. I, th- I think that's cool. Um what what what's what's you know, what is the impetus? what is the he goes we're gonna do a double-sized issue seven of our spin-off book Deadpool work with the mouth. And I thought it would be great, but I think that the creator of Deadpool should be the guy that introduces her. And I said Axel, that is really I'm so flattered. I would love to. And uh, he talked over the um that in the book, Deadpool would be going to different dimensions, encountering different iterations of different characters. And along the way, one would be, you know, this new she Deadpool, which we agreed that I I said, we should call her Lady Deadpool. And uh, the only adjustment that Axel made, made was when I originally handed in Lady Deadpool. She had a black, her hair was black, her long black ponytail. He said, hey, do you mind? I want to make it blonde. I want to make her more like a, you know, Valley Girl, blonde, and I said, fine, I don't care, you know, and uh, immediately add my colors, changed the black ponytails to blonde, and away we were. Wanda Wilson was uh, was in business. We did a variant cover. That book sold out and went back to a second printing and a third printing because the first appearance of Lady Deadpool really got people excited, and I thought the story that introduced her, which was a scripted a story by Uh, myself and Victor Gisler who was Marvel's new uh, story guy that they were very excited about and Axel told me he is going to be the most popular writer in comics well I didn't know any of Victor's work I couldn't speak to that but I was excited to do uh, Lady Deadpool in this Merc with the Mouth which was Victor's book so obviously Victor is writing their monthly book so now I'm coming in and and we're adjusting the stories and the introduction of this character to what I want to you know draw and she is introduced in a futuristic scenario where Lady Deadpool is helping, is, is a rebel to um, Captain America who is leading a faction of kind of empirical uh, soldiers and the Sentinels are on Cap's side. It was a cool idea, cool story. So so Lady Deadpool comes into being, is extremely popular, and uh, the fans totally dig it. Now, check this out. A few months later, I am now on vacation because it's funny, Axel only would call me when we're on vacation. We are at a uh, a taco stand, my family and I in Maui, California, uh, probably three o'clock in the afternoon. So, which would mean it was probably you know uh, five o'clock uh, in in New York and uh, or later. It was it was it was late in New York. And I, again, I noticed that it was a New York number. It was Axel Alonzo calling me. I picked up. He's like, "Hey Rob, what what do you think about doing a Deadpool team book called the Deadpool Corps?" Now, at the time, he's saying this. I am in kind of the jungley. Tropical weather of Maui, and I think Deadpool Corps. I'm thinking GI Joe Corps. I'm thinking cool. I'm, I'm thinking like yeah, Lady Deadpool. Deadpool will fill out the team. They'll be like this cool Strike Squad. And he's like, cool. I just wanted to know that you were in it because we really want to do this book, but I want to do it with you. I want to have the guy who created Deadpool at the helm. I said, great, I'm, I'm in. So along and, and 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 that's where we started going with with um, with the Deadpool Corps, which would then launch in uh, in the fall. No, spring of 2010. Spring of 2010. And I would go on to do 10, uh, what was it 10, 11 issues total of, of Lady Deadpool, Deadpool Corps, all, the entire all the adventures. Along the way, we hook up at uh, WonderCon uh, in April of two, 2009. And uh, th- this is, you know, before he actually, I think he had talked to me about doing the Lady Deadpool. And uh, we go grab coffee at a coffee shop um, before I do a panel with Axel at WonderCon. This is back when WonderCon is at the San Francisco Convention Center. And if you were at that panel, it was great. It was very well populated. It was a big X-Men panel, Deadpool, crossovers, you know, crossover talk. And uh, Axel and I went, went out to to grab an extended coffee. We we spent about 90 minutes hanging out. Um, it's always fun having these excursions with other people uh, in the business and and especially people who you're just getting to know and you're sharing ideas and thoughts and whatever with and 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 seeing where they're coming from and he said hey i I just want to let you know i feel again this is actually he goes i really favor deadpool i think he's great character i said yeah he says uh he said uh i I just want to let you know I, i really feel that he's he's roadrunner he's roadrunner and i said wow i i don't i don't agree i don't see him as roadrunner i think roadrunner limits him and he's like nah that that that's who you know that's who we see Deadpool is, and and right then, over that cup of coffee, I realized the way Deadpool was being shaped in that era was by a guy who thought he was, you know, meet me, always dodging the boulder from Wiley e. Coyote and outrunning the, you know, box of dynamite, and I, I just always felt that Deadpool could aspire to so much more than that, and and again, but this is the this is the period of the Doctor Bong, the Howard Duck villains, so I'm. Really fortunate that Axel had the favor, had really favored Deadpool in the way that he did. I mean, when they relaunched Deadpool and made him part of Secret Invasion, I I forgot they called and asked me to do a cover on that. Of which it's one of my favorite covers that I've ever done. Mike Caprotti inked, uh, pencil painted it over my pencils, and it is him taking on the scrolls. And I was like, can I cut this guy's hand off on the cover? Because that's usually doesn't cross the code. And it's a really fun cover. It's one of my favorite images that I've ever done of any character, uh, whether I created it or not. And, and so I really, really dig uh, the, the, that, that rendition of Deadpool. But from that moment on, from, from, see, and, and, and going back to the original intention that I shared here with Deadpool, where he would sell you out in secret invasion he goes all the way to the scrolls battles through to the throne room gets to the gets to the you know takes to, takes out the scrolls gets to the scroll leader and says i'll do your bidding and it sets up the entire kind of machinations of the storyline is he really aligning himself with the scrolls or is he there to take them down is he there to you know figures that they're going to win so he wants to stand on the side of the winner that is the beauty that's not something you would see Captain America do or Iron Man do that is a deadpool move established by the themes that we introduced when i brought you the Deadpool, um, you know, Deadpool character into the world of Marvel via New Mutants and X-Force. And that, and I, I really remember that first Secret Invasion as you I go, this, this is it. But now as they expanded on it, as they gave him Merc with the Mouth, which was all parody covers again, now every Merc with the Mouth was a parody cover of Jaws or Raiders of the Lost Ark or some, you know, zombie movie. And they were definitely pushing Deadpool more into parody. So, um, you know, with with varying degrees of success. And again, you know, while Marvel was elevating the Mark Millars of the world and the Brian Bendis' of the world in the early 2000s, none of their darlings, although Axel told me that he believed Victor was going to be the biggest writer in comics, so I believe he did really think that he was putting someone substantial on the book, uh, the, the, the Deadpool has been absent some of the biggest writers of our age, and it's always... Uh, and interested me why uh, the, their, their top flight talent isn't awarded that book because Deadpool could certainly use a shot in the arm along the lines of what somebody like a Donnie Cates brought to Venom, who had had some stalled-out renditions prior to Donnie coming on a couple of years back. And Donnie brought this sweeping kind of vision, definitive vision of Venom, which involved Eddie Brock, new doppelganger's offspring and it has really caught on, caught fire, and made Venom Marvel's number one book. He took Venom and had Venom outsell Spider-Man, which is no easy feat. Could it be done with Deadpool in a heartbeat? It could be done tomorrow if the approach to Deadpool was more in tune with the way that I believe Deadpool could be maximized. Now, when I sat down with Axel, I said, I'm going to tell you something that's holding Deadpool back. So this is that 2009. He has now told me that Deadpool is Roadrunner to him. Deadpool is Roadrunner, so I'm like, wow, this, that's that's really that's trippy to be the guy that created Deadpool, uh, in the vein that I did and had had success with him in the way that I had, and and again in the early miniseries. I mean, the original Deadpool miniseries in the, in the Circle Chase. I mean, it's Deadpool and Zero and Kane, you know, and Vanessa, and, it, and it's really like this again. I've said this life you know, uh, 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 field trip of of all these conflicts, and and Kane is a great. Nemesis to Deadpool because he is the next level of Weapon X. So you're keeping in that Weapon X, you know, uh, 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 workshop that 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 kind of idea box where he was born, where he is, you know, prior to Wolverine, and now Wo- now Weapon X is you know the successor to Wolverine and has even more augmentations, is even more enhanced, and and there's this natural you know rivalry and 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 uh, disdain for each other, and then you've got Zero is one of my favorite. Visuals I've ever come up with, all white, just a zero on his face, and he's a teleporter, and 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 so so the fact that in in that miniseries it was like this giant, like I said, Liefeld Palooza, and then in the Mark Wade series they introduced the Siren as love entrance, was I always really enjoyed, and we'll get to that later because that was definitely a road that had to be crossed when it came time to do the film. And that, that was stuff that was being discussed as early as 2009. I will cover that in the uh, upcoming Making of De- Deadpool episodes. But so sitting across and being told that he is the Roadrunner was always kind of, I, I I will always remember kind of the way I kind of tilted my head and was like, okay, Roadrunner. And, and Axel is not telling me anything that he's not telling everybody in the offices of Marvel. He's not keeping it to himself. This is how he openly sees the character and wants the character portrayed. Again, which is why he is veering now towards Howard the Duck, characters and parody and there's no real consequence and that's why I was shocked with Lady Deadpool that we were giving such a really brash kind of um, alternative vision that that could stand the test of time that was not born of parody it was in this kind of like little days of future past vignette that introduced her that made her cool and formidable but still very funny I mean there's a scene where we have him wonder so much that he what what him as a female tastes like that he kisses her and they both get grossed out because they realized they just kissed each other. So so that's a funny bit. That's in Deadpool, uh, Mark with the Mouth, issue seven. And then again, we'd go on and do a year's worth of Deadpool core. But I said to Axel, I said, the one thing that Deadpool is missing is Wolverine has Sabretooth, Batman has the Joker, Spider-Man has Green Goblin, okay? Um, Superman has Lex Luthor. Deadpool, in all the time that I have created this character, you have never given him his true Doppelganger, and I don't mean a composite Deadpool. I hate when it's like, well, it's the he's he's the reverse Deadpool. That's his bad guy. That has never really interested me a great deal. The others that I mentioned are great yin and yangs, and and they 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 excite our conflict. And so I actually addressed this when I did Deadpool Bad Blood, the first ever Deadpool graphic novel that was released in 2017, that was the only time, as you listen to this, check this out. This is factual, actual exactly as TLC would want you to understand it. Actual and factual. Um, the 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 Deadpool $25, 100-page hardcover was the only time Deadpool has ever charted number one. Charted number one in the month of May of 2017. Uh, number one bestseller. Crazy, awesome, very happy. But I went back, I did my research, and in fact, that is the only time he has been at the top of the charts. And in Bad Blood, I gave him what I was hoping to be one of many kind of great bad guys that he would face off against but in the time since he has battled Craven the Hunter he has battled Galactus it is just again th- there there's a footing with Deadpool that I believe if if you could find it the way Donnie found it with Venom it would explode it would just the book would explode because right now I'm in the process of doing 30 covers of Deadpool commemorating the 30th Deadpool Anniversary of Deadpool, 30th anniversary, 30 covers. I love doing them. I'm doing Deadpool with Captain America, with Iron Man, with the Fantastic Four, with Silver Surfer, with Rocket Raccoon, with Wolverine, with Hulk. It's such a blast, and it's great, and the fans tell me how much they dig when he looks more sinister, but is yet still funny and doing funny things, and yet the look is sinister because Deadpool is a powerful visual along the lines of the Mandalorian, along the lines of Snake Eyes, along the lines of the Power Rangers, along the lines of 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 Boba Fett along the lines of Spider-Man and Venom. Powerful visuals matter. And we 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 stock our toy shelves with them. We overload our 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 treasure troves of toys with these these characters that we love and we adore the way they look but the humor is very interesting. So at the end of the day is it the smart ass, the badass, the wise ass, or the parody Deadpool that you're getting at any given time? And which do you prefer? And I've already maintained I like the smartass who is gonna, um, you know, absolutely, uh, you know, uh, uh, kick your ass while making fun of you, cutting you down to size. And this speaks to the groundedness of the Deadpool that we get in the films. Now, the fourth wall break is great, and no one uh, did it better than Joe Kelly, except for Ryan Reynolds, who has done it the best. And when people ask me, who is your best who's your favorite Deadpool writer? Without a without a doubt, it's Ryan, it's Rhett Reese, it's Paul Warnick. They wrote the best Deadpool stories I have ever read on paper before they were filmed. And they blow everybody away, and then some. And 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 if if Daniel Way is your favorite writer, then Daniel Way is your favorite writer, and no one should should tell you differently. My tastes are different. Um I know that there's been uh Jerry Dugan and uh Pusain and uh uh you know all sorts of different writers have taken their shot. And crafted their their sagas, but the thing I loved about Circle Chase and about the Wade miniseries, they had consequences. They had they had like ramifications. There was it was it was more serious. Uh, the 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 Dugan story that involves Deadpool and Captain America and Wolverine in the, in the in the uh, kind of the the internment camps. That is uh, probably one of the best of the recent stories because it has some consequence. It has some weight to it. It's not goofy and ridiculous, and people. Uh, so, so, so I'll wrap this section up with with this. This is this is the danger of the parody. While they are making Deadpool number one, 2015, they are shooting it in Vancouver. I visited the set. I was there. I was hanging out. I'd been part of all of the uh, the, the the development since 2009, predating Tim Miller and and all of his um his his amazing talent coming on board. But I mean, I had been there, biting my nails, wondering if they were going to pull the trigger, reading that first draft by by Rhett and Paul in 2011, being absolutely blown away. So, the, the, they're filming Deadpool, and at the time, Marvel announces they're killing Deadpool, and they're going to do the big killing of Deadpool, and I participated in some of those signings, but I wasn't privy to how they were killing Deadpool. If you read the book, the death of Deadpool is because an asteroid hits the Earth, so the entire Earth dies. But while we're filming it, Ryan, I'm on set, and the news is leaking, and the, 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 Ryan goes, they're really killing me? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I don't, I don't really know what's going on. Look, Fox had X-Men, Fantasy IV, Deadpool, and their relationship with Marvel was cold. It was, speaking past tense, five years ago, it was very cold, there was no interaction. So it was very weird, and the messaging was weird, that they were, quote-unquote, doing a double sized death of, R.I.P. Deadpool, while they were making a Deadpool movie. Which, of course, we all know in death that these things come back, and you can resurrect Wolverine after a year being dead, and, you know, that he, he'll come out of the statue... You know, okay, now that he's been frozen in adamantium, whatever. It's it's it's. We understand the tropes. We're comic book fans. But some of these people who are new to it or just adjusting to it, as Ryan and the crew were, were like, um, "I'm I'm I'm dying in the comics. Are they going to still publish me?" And and because I was on set, I was able to walk them through. Look, it's 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 a gimmick. They're they're looking to sell some more books, tell a fun story. I was even un, um, um, caught off guard when the a- the death of Deadpool was as a result of the asteroid hitting the planet. It was kind of not what I, I I didn't, I don't know about that payoff. That wasn't one that I was, um, I I didn't know about it in advance. And I experienced it as you guys did and thought, okay, that's, that's funny. It got a chuckle. Okay. But during that time, if you remember Ryan, the day, the week that the death of Deadpool came out, he posted a picture of himself in the Deadpool costume, um, leaning halfway out of a, of a latrine. So he's, he's sitting on a toilet and you can see into the bathroom and he's holding a Deadpool comic and basically saying, I'm still here. So it was this weird messaging between the film and, and the comic book because Marvel was called the fox fox was on their own and uh no one had any idea unless they had written the script how great the Deadpool was gonna be just how amazing the Deadpool was gonna turn out to be so the uh the thing is that uh that 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 is where the two that the, the tonally it was like the comic book was embracing parody ha- having also had him marry death which is weird and again speaks To me, that takes Deadpool away from being grounded. If that's your cup of tea, awesome, more power to you. Marvel is feeding that need for you with that type of story, as there are multiple types of Spider-Man stories at any given time. But uh, for me, when Deadpool is marrying a cosmic entity, it is taking away from... uh, It it takes away from the groundedness. Deadpool, in my, my opinion, works best when he is grounded, as he is more than grounded in his appearance. And then again... He, how he's portrayed in the films. That's my favorite Deadpool. Your favorite Deadpool may be something else entirely, and that's great because whether it's the Funko Pops, which are cute and cuddly, which we're going to get into later in another installment, or the most badass, vicious-looking Deadpool statues, like the ones that I'm looking at on my shelves right now, or the more sinister Hasbro toy as opposed to the goofy Hasbro toy, because I've got the goofy, wide Hasbro toy, which I own, I purchased on the moped, and the badass um, re-release of the 192, the upgrade of the 192, first appearance at Deadpool, and then everything in between. I've got all these killer versions of Deadpool, and uh, and they all exist um, from uh, badass, smartass to parody. It's all it's all there. And and again, you know the, the the asteroid hitting the Earth is the way that Deadpool died was not what I expected. They pulled one over. That was a that was a funny gag. I think that's the end of the Axel Alonso era of the Roadrunner Deadpool but um as i said in 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 uh in uh in deadpool badder blood i bad blood i i introduced a character called Thumper and i won't go into completely his origins but he is tied to deadpool and and tied to him going into weapon x and is a uh there's a reason you hadn't heard of him but he has hunted deadpool in the past but you didn't hear of him until this um graphic novel of course i'm telling you that what i did i enjoyed of course i am but and 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 you guys showed up and made it number one and charter number one i could not believe that i'm so thankful to you for supporting that but that there are funny moments there are great bits there there are big laughs in deadpool bad blood along with great action and great consequence and some some good characterization that that allows along with my my scripting partner chad bowers that allows you know for you to look inside glimpse his his character his head his motivations as well as the consequence of, of everything that he's he's taking on um, again, uh, uh, the fact that he has no saber tooth, no Joker, uh, no Lex Luthor—somebody that you instantly identify as his counterpoint—is uh, is still weird. It's thirty years, thirty years, and 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 um, at least he's not doctor bonging it anymore, which I think is probably a, a, a step in the right direction. And uh, and and you know, enjoy those stories. They're fun. They're they're super funny. It's 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 a side of Deadpool. Again, you're a big company like Marvel Comics. And I mean, look, I've got Deadpool in the shower curtain, you know, pop. It's one of my favorites. That speaks more to a goofy Deadpool. So I love them all. The bottom line is I love them all. Um, they, I'm glad they all exist because there's something for everybody. There is something absolutely for everybody. And that speaks to which humor do you like? Do you like the parody, the badass, the wise ass, the smart ass? Okay. And and, and that is kind of as far as we're going to take the Deadpool discussion uh, today. So there you have it. We have, uh, danced with Deadpool, badass, smart-ass, wise-ass or Roadrunner, I guess. Right. I mean, I, that, that was said to me, Roadrunner. I'm, I'm still, I'm still walking that off 10 years later. Is Deadpool Roadrunner to you? I guess. Hey, so of all the writers, like I said, I just want to absolutely go on record. The screenplay for Deadpool one, Deadpool two, Ryan Reynolds, Rhett, Roy, Rhett Reese, Paul Warnick. That, that, that is my favorite Deadpool I've ever, ever read. I think it translates the the best on screen. That's, that's not the Roadrunner. That's, that's a, uh, just a, whoa, a whole big enchilada or chimichanga of a person up there. Really great stuff, but, um, really fun again, to keep dancing with this stuff and, and walking through this and, and walking you through, uh, the perspective. I mean, these first two parts really, really formed the whole of, 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 I mean, we, we did the motivation, the inspiration, the look, the visual, the impact that visuals have. And then here we discussed the humor. There's been so many different facets to him. And again, from, from wild parody kind of cracked mad magazine version, Dr. Bong, um, uh, to, 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 to this, you know, to a more kind of a, uh, uh uh smart ass guy that 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 he was intended to be but uh, again lots of room for interpretation uh and 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 he's you know uh been interpreted so many ways over the years and and again there's 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 something for everybody there but uh yeah the the as we go further into the the, the chapters we're going to um discuss the films and 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 all the movie stuff and all that went on into that and and the uh the multiple delays the the creative teams the the amazing work by Rhett and Paul and Ryan Reynolds and Tim Miller and David Leach, our two directors, uh the, the producers, everything. I mean, the, the, this this uh I, I I I originally thought five episodes was too long. Now it's probably not not enough, but we'll we'll cram it in there, right? Um so, so fun. Mr. Deadpool, 30th anniversary. Enjoy all of the different 30th anniversary stuff that's gonna be out there. And while you're at it, I am on social media at Rob Liefeld on Instagram, at Rob Liefeld. On Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld, the more formal, Robert. Um, both have blue checks. Both say that that's really me for a reason. It, it, it's a great verification um, process. I'm all over social media. I love hearing from you, from you guys. I'm so happy that we're back podcasting into this new year. Continue to take this journey with me. We have so much more to discuss. Um, thank you so much for hanging out. You know the drill. Stay safe, take care of yourself, and we will talk again real soon. Thank you.